0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Blockhash Podcast. We have another great episode for you today. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and follow wherever you are tuning in. Hold tight for just a second as we play a quick advertisement and countdown video while we wait for everyone to join. Thank you and we hope that you enjoy the episode. (laughs) What's up, guys? Welcome back to Block Hash Exploring the Blockchain episode 331. Today I have Kev Silk here to talk about Anchor and what they're doing with app chains here in the Web3 space. Kev, welcome to the show, man. Happy to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Pleasure's all mine. Um, we'd love to learn a bit more about you as well. Maybe before we get started, tell us a little bit more about your, your background, um, what you have done maybe prior in the space, um, that you've got some knowledge from leading into working with Anchor or, you know, whatever your story kind of entails.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I've been with Anchor for about two years now, uh, been in crypto for a few years. I started, uh, after undergrad, I started at Gartner, which is, uh, you know, Obviously, uh, it's a great research firm, and you have all the resources at your fingertips there, and that's where I was introduced to you know, blockchain technology, what it is, what its purpose was. Uh, went down the rabbit hole there and didn't look back. Uh, that's sort of my entryway into it. Uh, I've been a fan of Anchor. Anchor's about five years old. I've been a big fan of them for a long time. Uh, eventually, I got to the point where I didn't want to just research this technology. I actually wanted to be you know, involved with it, start building it myself. So reached out to Anchor a boatload of times. Finally, they got back to me and uh, I've been with them for a couple of years now and it's uh, it's been an awesome experience. Nice. Was there anything about Anchor
0: that made you like really excited to want to work with them in particular or was it just an
1: opportunity? Yeah, so a couple of things. the The first part was I knew I wanted to build in the actual blockchain space. But I I didn't want to be a part of a I didn't want to be a part of a DApp or I didn't want to be a part of a specific chain. I wanted to, for instance, like I didn't want to dig for gold. I wanted to supply the shovels, and that's ultimately what Anchor does as an infrastructure provider. I wanted to be able to work with all of the different chains that I liked, um, because as a crypto holder, I was like, well, I love Ethereum. I love Polkadot. Uh, Cardano, right? You have all these different chains that I was a fan of. And I felt as though if I worked for one of them, you know, what does that mean for, you know, my investment strategy as just a crypto coin slash token holder. So Anchor as an infrastructure provider for me was incredibly valuable. And I wanted to honestly learn more about infrastructure in and of itself. And then also the, the idea of liquid staking at the time was becoming a big trend and Anchor was one of the first providers to have liquid staking. Uh, that intrigued me as someone who locked up their ETH at a, at a time when I wish that I didn't, um, or I wish that I did it in a different way, not on a centralized exchange a few years back. Um, so that idea of being able to remain liquid and holding you know, your assets was to me very valuable. I knew that Anchor was doing it. Uh, so for me it was a, it was a no-brainer.
0: Nice. No, Anchor sounds like this really awesome kind of platform where I guess as a developer, anyone that wants to create and build in this space can get access to a lot of different tools uh for de- developing out infrastructure around Web3. Can you tell me a bit more about um what you've been able to learn from Anchor and what kind of things Anchor, you know, kind of offers to I, I guess it's,
1: you know audience or clientele that, that use it? Absolutely. So I guess where to start is like when you think about this, this next generation of the internet that's forming, right, as we know, Web3, there's, there's new opportunities to build infrastructure to enable businesses and, and applications to thrive in this space. And that's ultimately what Anchor is doing. Um, So we're one of the largest RPC node blockchain infrastructure providers around any given month we will have, say, ballpark 50 million unique IPs utilizing our customer endpoints. And just through that alone, you learn so much about what people are building. Uh, And you also learn that although we're in a bear market, the building has not slowed down the slightest bit, which goes to prove that the best in any industry, really, the best projects get built in a bear market. Um, but, I mean, you learn so much when you work for an infrastructure provider because you're working with so many different chains, you're working with so many different developers and enterprises in this space because one of the first things a developer or business that's moving into the web 3 space that that wants to build on a blockchain ecosystem is they need a high-quality endpoint to to that connection of the blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where we come in and we serve as that sort of, like, developer hub, um, For developers and enterprises to connect to the blockchain and then our anchor token is ultimately what fuels our network as it's used as a means of payment for our mrpc customers so when you have this like developer hub that anchor is it's sort of you learn so much because you're enabling web3 to to build out and to expand and you're empowering developers to reach their full potential in the blockchain space which is what we're all what we all need
0: right right i know you mentioned the nodes to the rpc nodes those being you know a big part of what anchor does and i know that they're important for connecting my wallet <laughs> when i want to connect to certain blockchains um but can you kind of explain it a little bit for people that might not be familiar what the RPC is exactly and you know when they're connecting their metamask for example to uh from binance or ethereum or whatever it may be you know what that kind of node endpoint looks like just a brief overview
1: Yeah, so I think when we think about a blockchain or at least a a proof of stake blockchain, there's there's two types of nodes that can sometimes get confusing, right? So you have your RPC nodes and your validator nodes. So the RPC nodes is essentially where the chain is communicating um, and providing that read-write data, right? So when a transaction occurs on a blockchain, it gets sent to a mempool, right? And a mempool is where all these transactions are stored for the validators to then go and process those transactions, ensure that they're validated, and add new blocks to the chain. So the RPC node, on the other hand, is actually communicating with the chain for the user when you go to connect your MetaMask. It's, it's ultimately what enables you to do so. And then the validator nodes are ensuring that everything is running smoothly um, and that those transactions that you're making, whether it's through MetaMask or any other wallet or any other dApp, um, is actually accurate. Okay, cool. Got it.
0: They're kind of like relay nodes, aren't they in a way? It's a good, good way to look at it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know another thing that you guys focused on quite a bit are app chains. Um, and I know that's something that's very important for you guys. Can you also explain, you know, what app chains are and you know, what, what the use is, but also how they're beneficial?
1: Yeah. So, there's there's a there's so many ways to describe an app chain and it's defined in in a few different ways. I'd say from a high level, an and app chain is basically exactly what it sounds like. It's it's an application specific blockchain. Uh, so basically a single blockchain that hosts one single application or a business on that um, on that blockchain. But another way to look at it is when you think about layer one blockchains or layer two blockchains, right? they start with the infrastructure, right? So you have the infrastructure layer and then you have the application layer. Most L1s start with the infrastructure, right? They need to, this is probably what happened over the last 10 to 12 years is they build out that infrastructure in a way that's going to entice developers and businesses to build their applications on top of it. The challenge with that is those applications have to abide to the consensus mechanisms, the programming languages, basically the governance of that blockchain the app chain thesis takes a different approach where rather than focus on the infrastructure you focus on the application and you build the infrastructure around what that application or business needs in order to be successful right so as the app or the business gains consumers not only are they gaining that traction but they're owning their block space so it the way i like to look at it is you're creating the best possible Blockchain network specific to infrastructure of an application or of a specific use case that's catering to their specific needs. Got it. Do you, can you give like an example of one
0: today? Maybe what that looks like. Just kind of paint a picture a little bit.
1: Yeah. So DYDX. I think this is around five or six months ago. Might have been longer, but they were previously on Ethereum, and then they obviously moved to Cosmos, which is obviously independent blockchain. So um that's one example and then you also have l1 chains that offer application specific solutions right so polygon calls them supernets Binance calls them side chains avalanche calls them subnets zk Sync calls them hyperchains. they didn't make it easy for us they decided to use a bunch of different names Got but it. the purpose is it's it's a sovereign blockchain within a broader ecosystem um, i actually like to use the analogy so We'll use, um, we'll use Avalanche for this example. So think about Avalanche and compare that to like New York City, right? Within New York City, you have five boroughs, right? You have Staten Island, Long Island, Manhattan, the Bronx, and Queens, right? Those five boroughs could be seen as subnets, right? Or like application-specific chains. They're all mm-hmm. connected to one another. They all have the resources of New York City or Avalanche, Right. But they're independent, sovereign chains or boroughs that the better they do, the better the mother chain does. Right. So like the more successful the boroughs of New York City become, the more valuable New York City becomes, the more resources and the better the infrastructure New York City provides to their boroughs, the better the boroughs become. It's the same way with Avalanche and their subnets. Um, That's the way that I like to look at it. Um, The most important thing is that they all have their own individual mempool. And I had mentioned that earlier. So if you think about, you have so many L1s that have one mempool and you have hundreds, if not thousands of applications competing for traffic on that mempool where all those transactions are going to store, that's what hinders the, the scalability and growth of those applications on an L1. Whereas if you're on an app chain, you have your own individual mempool, so you're no longer having to compete for traffic which ultimately allows you to grow and scale and improves the user experience. And you, know, you can control the gas fees as well. So they're not out of this world. Yeah, the gas fees definitely are out of this world sometimes.
0: Um, yeah. but that's a good way to explain it. I like the analogy using New York. Do you think it's possible to have like an app chain for like Brooklyn one day and then an app chain for Soho and like Maybe yeah. it could be like for municipalities or cities potentially. I, I feel like it could, you know, if they want to really like have a specialized chain for maybe utilities or, or garbage pickup, or I don't know. I, I feel like, look, like it could at some point
1: or mail or, or, or mail. anything. Right. It's yeah. So I think the, the opportunities are endless. Um, and mm-hmm. this industry is so young as we know, like, 10 years old, 12 years old, however it may be, but in in reality, we're in the we're in the bottom of the first inning. Right. Mm-hmm. So the opportunities are endless. I do see that as a potential pathway for our future because not only like if we go back to the Burroughs example, not only would you have say independent subnets within Avalanche, but you'd also have subnets within a subnet within Avalanche. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the boroughs for for a second. You have you know, there's there's community districts within the Bronx, right You could look at those different districts as more subnets within the Bronx subnet right so you could have so many different use cases um, utilizing a, a subnet or a supernet or a sidechain, whatever it may be mm-hmm. um, whether it's like like we said anything packaging, mailing, trash, wh- whatever it is, um, you could ultimately put it on a, put it on a blockchain.
0: So what what's the main benefit for app chains? I know you mentioned, you know, creating more efficiency, less competition, um, but are there other potential benefits to, you know, really narrowing it down to having small blockchains or private blockchains kind of in this sense for individual components of a system rather than just using one main chain? Is it is it mostly because of the traffic and the issues with gas fees and speed and latency or... Are there other, you know, hidden concerns that maybe this helps with?
1: It's a good question. I would say the first, the the lack of scalability and the customization is probably first and foremost, the mm-hmm. the value of an app chain. But there are also certain use cases that, that don't fit on a public blockchain. Um, what I mean by that is whether it's healthcare or finance or some aspects of insurance, you don't want it to be so public. You do want it to be in a sense somewhat permissioned. um, If you use, for example, like medical records, you don't want medical records on a public blockchain. So that hinders the ability for a healthcare provider to go and want to build on any public L1. But if those public L1s do have the ability to create permissioned side chains, app chains, then that it sort of breaks the barrier for those types of organizations, those, those large enterprises to join. So it has a layer of privacy that you might not be able to get on just an open public layer one or layer two for that matter. Um, so I would say that's another big component of it. Also, on the other hand, you still, you still get access to all the liquidity of the mother chain itself, which is huge. Um, because what we've seen at Anchor at least is some of the app chains that we've built, they actually evaluate, okay, I'm just gonna build my own blockchain then, which ironically enough is not that difficult to do. But it's maintaining the blockchain, it's securing the blockchain, it's 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 ensuring that the blockchain will support the business as it continues to grow and scale. You need liquidity to be able to do so. You need to be able to interact with other applications or app chains in a broader mother chain ecosystem because it it allows you to to build and grow like at the end of the day a blockchain is only as powerful as the ecosystem behind it right so you can you can gain access to all the liquidity all the resources and all the other applications that are built within that mother chain so i don't think that necessarily building your own blockchain unless you have all the resources the manpower And the ability to do so um, to power your your business or your businesses makes the most sense.
0: Got it. Could issues with the main chain, the mother chain, um, affect any of these smaller chains that are being created, any of these app chains in any kind
1: of way? It's a good question. It depends on the architecture of the mother chain, Mm -hmm. right? So... Polygon, Binance, Cosmos, ZK Sync, they all have specific architecture to their mother chain solutions. And how much access that those app chains have to the mother chain itself, it, it varies. For the most part though, if something, and I don't want to use a specific example, um, we haven't seen anything like this yet, but um, if anything were to ever happen to the L1 that an app chain is, is running on, they could easily just move their business to another chain right so because they have their own mempool because they'll have their own validators their own rpc nodes their own blockchain infrastructure it is a legitimate sovereign blockchain they don't get impacted but like anything else you'll get impacted just through association so it might hinder your reputation which you can obviously then go and leave to another chain if if you needed to
0: yeah, it's kind of an interesting idea to think about. Like Solana, for example, it's it's well known for having its, its outages and its downtime, but it is a fantastic blockchain aside from all that. Um, you know, Ethereum, you know, is very sturdy and archaic in a way, but it's also very expensive at times and gas fees spike and uh, can be a little slow. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably a big deciding factor for people that want to create an app chain for something, which kind of leads into the next question. Um, You mentioned back a little bit like healthcare, using that as an example for maybe a use case for app chains. Uh, But maybe where else within the enterprise or corporate worlds could an app chain be applied, whether it's into legal and in the law or uh, into government potentially or into small businesses or accounting I'm sure there's like a million different possibilities, but I'm curious like which ones you guys have thought of that maybe this could have the biggest impact. All the above,
1: right? Um, I'd say that there's so many different use cases. The ones that we've seen the most of um, is retail, ironically enough, media, um, large organizations like insurance as well, and then healthcare. Um, Those have been the most traction we've gotten with large enterprises. It's funny because it started off, I mean- We launched the AppChain product about a year and a half ago, and it really started off as just gaming um, because you have so many transactions that are moving at the speed of light, you need to have that throughput. Um, But over the last, I want to say, seven to 10 months, large enterprises have been a huge, huge part of, of what we're seeing interest from, especially recently we've been working with or we just had our partnership announcement with Microsoft, which allows us you know, to have access to all the networking of the large organizations that are utilizing Microsoft's infrastructure. And since that's occurred, it's really gone through the roof. But I would say for the most part, media, retail, um, financial institutions has been huge. Another one, ironically enough, is uh, supply chain, but specifically um, food. Because people want to have access to like where their food is sourced from. A lot of people care about whether or not it's organic or um, whatever, whatever their nutrition um, favors them to, to need to have. We've seen a lot of supply chain organizations that want to have full transparency over where their food's coming from. And what you can do, I mean, with an app chain is you can literally, for example, you can source you know, where the, the fish came from, from when it was caught in seed to when it was placed in the grocery aisle, which is pretty fantastic. Uh, so, going back to our original point, it's like the opportunities are endless. It's just a matter of getting the infrastructure and the building experience uh, in a way that's so compatible to what these large organizations need in order to enter the space. And we're definitely getting there right now. Yeah, I
0: think the concept of farm to table and sea to plate. You know, that supply chain is very appealing for a lot of people and is a good place maybe to apply this. Um, But for whatever reason, a lot of those industries, even though they're the best applications, they're very slow to get into, whereas others, maybe like gaming, for example, are a lot more open and a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if it's just the younger genographic or if it's just the fact that it's tech and tech and tech relate a lot better than different industries. Um, but have you guys explored potential use cases with the gaming industry as well? I, I feel like this is another really good potential use case to create like an app chain for like a specific game or a specific in- game function.
1: yeah, um so most of our app chains start off as gaming um and it didn't just so there was two two main gaming use cases so the first one was actually an organization called apes that was in the Web2 space, and they were looking for a way to enter the Web3 space, but they just didn't know what they didn't know. They didn't know mm-hmm. what a Block Explorer was. They didn't know what a staking UI was. They didn't know what their tokenomics should be, what RPC nodes or validator nodes were. They didn't know what a faucet was, right? So when you think about these, these bigger Web2 gaming organizations, what an AppChain does and, and where Anchor's AppChain product comes in to help is we alleviate all that confusion for them. So they don't have to worry about the infrastructure. They don't have to worry about creating the infrastructure to power their large organization of gaming. They just have to focus on continuing to build the game with a user experience that's super high quality. And because they're no longer competing for traffic on one mempool, and there's other infrastructure solutions that we provide, at least at Anka, like gaming SDKs and silent signing wallets, their user experience doesn't doesn't get affected by this vertical jump into Web3. And that's very key. Um, another part is just gaming, like startup Web3 games. Um, they struggle building on a public out one because like when you're a new startup game like that, it's, you're you're competing with all the bigger players out on a mempool, like, like a Uniswap on Ethereum, right? It's difficult to compete for that. So when you have your own app chain, you're able to grow and scale and build your application or your game uh, in a way that, helps you become very sticky and attract to the consumers, um, which is huge. Another thing that I'd say is what we've seen is large gaming organizations, not only are they launching an app chain for their business, but they're launching subsequent app chains for specific games. So for instance, if you use, um, and this isn't a specific example, but EA Sports, for instance, You'll have Madden, you'll have NHL, you'll have FIFA, right? What we're seeing in organizations like EA Sports is they're creating a broader app chain, but then different app chains for their different line of games underneath it that are acting as like their own ecosystems, but they're all connected to one another, which I think is very cool. No, that is
0: very cool. If Let's say like Microsoft came to you at some point and they're like, hey, we want to create We're working on Halo 8 or whatever's next in the series. Um, And they say, oh, we want Halo 8 to have its own app chain. And we want to include a whole bunch of different functionalities with Web3. Um, What would that process look like for them to create that app chain, to set it up? Um, I know I'm I'm sure there's a lot of processes involved, but are you guys very hands-on with it? Or do you just say, do you have the developers, here's the tools, Um, Do you help outsource it? What does that onboarding process kind of look like if they want their own app chain, they want to build with it, they want to do something? It doesn't have to be gaming either, just one example.
1: Yeah, so we're very hands-on in terms of we build all of the infrastructure. They don't have to worry about anything, right? So I think that the key thing or the key value of an app chain, at least where Anchor's app chain infrastructure product comes in is we customize that infrastructure specific to what, in this case, Halo would need right, mm-hmm. we will help them decide, OK, what mother chain makes the most sense for them. We don't make that decision for them because we're, we're partnered with majority of them. But mm-hmm. based off of their specific challenges, their specific needs, um, they'll make the decision. We can help them in terms of what mother chain to build on. But then when it comes to actually building the infrastructure that's going to support that app chain, that's where we come in. So we build all the source code, all the specs, um, not only just like the legitimate blockchain infrastructure, but also the in-game, I like to call them like application enhancers. So we have fiat on-ramp and off-ramps. We have a silent signing wallet, which is basically uh, an online wallet that is very compatible to like a, a Web2 experience. So all the smart contracts, all the backend happens in the background, and it makes it much easier for a new consumer of Web3 to interact with a blockchain or an app chain like Halo in this case, mm-hmm. in a way that they don't have to know, uh, you know, what gas fees are or what a token is, or they, they, they probably need to know what a token is, but they wouldn't need to know what a smart contract is, um, because it's all happening in the background. The gas fees are so low that it doesn't matter, but they're not low. They're not super low to the point where they are still incentivizing the validators. So I guess in a nutshell, we build, it's like a blockchain in a toolbox where whatever infrastructure they need, we come in and build it for them. Got it. So it's very like
0: a white glove service. Pretty much. They tell you what you need. You guys handle the rest. Pretty much a white labeled solution. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what, what's next for you guys at Anchor? Is, are you guys further pushing what you want to do with app chains? Do you have other areas and other products that you want to develop out? What's your roadmap and strategy look like for 2023?
1: I mean, app chains are definitely a big component of our business moving forward. Um, and we also we're, we believe in the app chain thesis itself, um, as this will continue to grow and scale. For Anchor, what we care most about is super high quality and as distributed as possible infrastructure. Uh, So we're in the process right now, and and this is something that I'm leading, our external node provider program, uh, which will continue our decentralization efforts without sacrificing the high-quality node network that we have. Um, So we've recently launched a few partnerships with some major cloud providers out there who um, will have a a component in this. Um, That's all I can say there. But ultimately, our, our main focus is like like many other um, tokens and chains right now, it's continuing to drive value to the business, capturing revenue, enhancing our products, uh, but continuing our, our distribution and high quality node infrastructure network in a way that's going to empower developers to reach their full potential in this space and build decentralized applications that match that user experience of Web2, because that's what we need to get to. So. I like to look at it from that perspective as, you know, we're improving the building experience so that builders can improve the user experience and get this market to a a consistent, wider adoption over time.
0: Awesome. Um, Where can people go to learn more, check you guys out if they want to get in contact with you guys, they want to build out an application, uh, an app chain for something. Uh, where should they go? Just the website or where would you direct them?
1: Yeah, so they would go to anchor.com and we actually have an an app chain configurator, which ultimately allows developers or enterprises to customize their, their app chain infrastructure based off of what they need. They can pick which mother chain best fits their needs. They can pick what specific infrastructure they'll need, like whether or not they need validators and RPC nodes, staking UIs. Uh, they plug in all their tokenomics it almost acts like a legitimate configurator and that's the first step to actually beginning the process of launching an app chain with anchor Um, and then to learn more about us anchor.com and you can you can join our channels on discord and and, um, reddit and telegram as well
0: cool if people say hey this kev guy is pretty cool i want to connect with him uh where should they
1: go to find you do you have social media linkedin twitter anything like that yeah, I would say uh, Telegram or Twitter is probably the best, best place to reach me. Um, I think my handles are in here somewhere, but I'm pretty responsive on Twitter and Telegram um, and happy to talk to anyone who has any questions about Anchor or just wants to talk about crypto and blockchain in general. It's always good uh, being in the space, you meet so many different people and uh, I think that's one of the awesome things is we all, we all have a similar passion of, of blockchain and having these types of conversations and meeting new people is one of the great perks about working in this industry. Absolutely.
0: Totally agree. I I love the different things that are happening around this space and what everyone's working on. So it's always fun to meet new people and have those conversations Uh, just like today. been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk about what you guys are doing with anchor, with app chains, uh, what you guys is focused on. Uh, It's really cool. Really cool. What you guys are working on and I appreciate you taking the time, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.